This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 58. The Crawfordsville Monster. The topic of mass hysteria is one that has been evident throughout history. With cases such as the Salem Witch Trials, the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, and the Mass Clown Sightings in 2016, to name a few. It is easy to determine that people can easily be made to believe a certain way, or get swept up in the moment, causing a widespread panic. Sometimes, something perceived as mass hysteria is quite the opposite of what actually has taken place. The story of the Crawfordsville monster is one that can be argued from both sides. It was a crisp and cool September morning in 1891 as Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray were loading the ice wagon for an early morning haul. The barn, owned by William Martin on East Main Street, was drafty, with a light layer of haze brought upon by the morning dew. The two men prepped to make their rounds and head to the ice houses. As they stood behind the stable, Marshall felt a strange sensation overtake him. He had to take a step back, as he was filled by an overwhelming feeling of awe and dread. He couldn't quite shake the feeling. It wasn't long before Bill started to experience the same unknown ailment. The two men stood there, attempting to make sense of the situation, when Marshall found himself looking upward, towards the sky. He nearly stopped breathing, as he couldn't believe what he was seeing. He went quiet for a moment. Bill looked at him, witnessing his dread-filled gaze. He then looked up and was met by the same terrifying and most unusual sight that had caught Marshall's attention. They watched as what appeared to be an apparition of preposterous proportions seemed to make its way from the western direction in the sky. It appeared to be nearly 300 feet in the air but was easily visible due to the early morning clear skies. What seemed gruesome in nature, it extended roughly 18 feet long and 8 feet wide. They watched it move rapidly through the air as it dipped and dove from one area of the sky to the next. 
being propelled by what looked like multiple pairs of fluttering fins that protracted the exterior of its body. The white shroud flying creature had no definite shape, save for its propelling fins and a large flaming eye that seemed to be seen through a large mouth. The creature cried out in agony and wheezed as it squirmed through the air, similar to a waving flag, flapping in the wind. The two men stood in silence, frightened, intrigued, and mesmerized by what they were witnessing. It eventually came closer to them, making its way over the top of William Martin's residence. It hovered in the sky, sweeping slowly and majestically in a circular motion. The men feared it may have been after the family's livestock and decided to retreat to the safety of the barn. As they did so, the creature flew off east, towards the city. Bill and Marshall came running out of the barn and continued watching as it made it to the city limits, where it hovered for a moment and then retreated back in their direction. It made its way back to the Martins' farm, and once again hovered in the sky up above. Marshall found himself concerned for the safety of the farm and voiced his concerns to Bill, whom declined alerting the family. The two men continued watching the nightmarish being as it continued to zip back and forth through the sky overhead, till well after 3 a.m., They eventually pulled themselves away so they could get back to the task at hand, leaving the creature still flying high in the air above. Bill and Marshall decided to return the next day, only to find the creature was nowhere to be seen. Still shaken up by the incident, they decided that they would bring along a rifle the next time they returned to the barn. If the creature returned they would shoot it down. However, the next time they found themselves back on William Martin's property to load the ice wagon, the creature did not return. To them, it felt like a strange dream. However, that was not the case for the other residents of Crawfordsville. Earlier on the night of September 5th, 1891, Before it was witnessed by Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray, the flying creature was seen flying overhead by Reverend G.W. Schweitzer of the local First Methodist Church. Just shortly after midnight, Schweitzer had stepped out into his backyard to fetch a drink from the well. As he was walking to it, a strange feeling overtook his entire body. As panic and dread set in, he found himself drawn to the sky, looking upwards as he wiped the sweat from his brow. At first, he didn't know what to make of the figure in the sky. He watched, perplexed, as the figure made its way from the southwestern direction of the dark and still night sky. 
The figure appeared to be a mass of milky white drapery, similar to that of a cloud. However, it was flying much too low to be a cloud. It also moved swiftly through the air. There was additionally no wind on that night. He thought to himself, it must be a demon in a shroud. As he continued watching the creature overhead, it seemed to swim through the sky. It writhed and twisted in a manner that could be comparable to some serpents. Schweitzer, who was still astonished and intrigued, called for his wife to come and witness the creature for herself. The two watched in amazement as the figure ascended higher in the sky and then quickly descended closer to the ground. They observed it for some time till it eventually moved towards the east of the church. It then began to make its way closer to the ground, as if it were going to land in the yard of Mrs. Lane. As it did so, it went out of view. The couple ran closer to the road, attempting to regain the sight of the creature, but were unsuccessful. However, after a few minutes, it arose quickly back into the dark abyss of the night sky. The cloud serpent-like creature then quickly fluttered in the direction of the town. It slowly rotated in circles around the city. Schweitzer and his wife couldn't take their eyes off of it. It was unlike anything that they had ever seen or experienced. They watched as it continued to writhe and twist about, letting out a strange cry that came from the direction of its mouth that seemed to share the same position as its flaming eye. After watching for what seemed like hours, the couple finally decided to retire for the night and went back inside, leaving the creature still visible under the light of the moon. The following day, after the initial reports, the same creature was seen over Crawfordsville by hundreds of its residents. Most described the encounter the same way, a fearsome beast. Its amorphous body was often depicted nearly serpent-like in nature, as it squirmed and wheezed as if in agonizing pain. The creature terrorized the city, leaving the residents confused, scared, and open and subject to ridicule by non-believers. The local publication, the Crawfordsville Journal, originally reported on the encounter of Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray. This sparked an influx in additional reports. The second major report was made by Reverend G.W. Schweitzer, and others followed. It was by no surprise that the skeptics spoke out. One by the name of Professor Robert Burton commented on the matter in reply to the article released in the Crawfordsville Journal, stating, It was a delusion which got on the optic nerve of those men who had probably been imbibing intoxicants 
It wasn't long before the story gained national attention, after it was additionally reported on by the Indianapolis Journal. A short while later, Reverend Schweitzer began receiving inquiries on the flying creature he had witnessed. They wanted to learn more about what had been terrorizing the city of Crawfordsville, Indiana. One letter Schweitzer received came from the Keeley Institute for Inebriates in Plainfield, Indiana. They claimed some of the patients there often experienced similar sightings and were often cured after a few days of treatment. The Keeley Institute suggested Schweitzer attend at once. The reports made by Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray, along with one of the most compelling reports coming from Reverend G.W. Schweitzer, were only a few of the hundred reports, all witnessing the same thing between the two days in September of 1891. With so many reports with similar details, it is difficult to question whether they were in fact witnessing something of true significance. One can argue the possibility of mass hysteria. However, this particular incident happened on multiple occasions and during a two-day period. Additionally, one can also argue the fact that one of the most notable reports was made by a reverend of the local church. The report should hold more credibility. Despite the ridicule endured by the residents who witnessed the strange and terrifying creature flying above the city of Crawfordsville, it is no question that they most likely experienced something on that night in 1891. As the strange creature has never returned, and most likely never will, we will never truly know what happened. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, an ad break. Hello, my name is Todd Purse. I'm a full-time cartoonist and creative, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, The Create Magic Pod. This is a daily dose of weird that's about five minutes of me talking about what I was thinking when making the artwork I make every day and post over on Instagram my website. If you need a little bit of inspiration or just want to hear some random weird stuff about everything from the paranormal to the weather, then this might be the pod for you. You can check it out at my website, createmagicstudios.com, as well as my shop and Patreon and all kinds of other stuff. Please reach out if you want to work on some creative fun. I am always open to new projects. Thanks again for checking this out, and I hope you all have the best day. Bye. And now the debrief. Finally, an Indiana legend. Yeah, we haven't done. I don't th- we haven't done any Indiana ones. No, yeah. this is our first one. All right, sweet. I know we've had uh, we've had the Beast of Busco in the works for a while, but I haven't quite produced that yet. So I was going to say, how long have you been working it. on that one? Yeah, like a month and a half. So yeah, you beat me to it. Cool. Well, I think it's uh, this one is super awesome, though. Definitely about time. And yeah, I agree. I actually like this story. I think it's it's pretty neat. And uh, 
you know, I don't know 100% where I'm at with it, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out for yeah. sure. I I love that it's, I mean, this is genuine high strangeness. This is bizarre. This isn't like sort of like an animal. Right. It's not, so, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I mean, it, this, this one's hard to describe. Yeah. Um, besides a weirdly moving cloud, I guess. It yeah. kind of screams and <laughs> wheezes a lot. Exactly. The sounds, that's like the one of the weirdest parts of the story. Is that it's like whining and I don't know. It's like described that it's what that it sounds like. It's like an agony. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah, it's uh, I mean, because it also like writhes and twists and whatever else. And yeah, yeah. All the body length. Can you even say body language to a thing that looks like a floating sheet? I suppose you could. Yeah. <laughs> as much as uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've never really seen sheets make a lot of body movements, but me neither. I don't even know where a sheet's body is. <laughs> Touche. Because that's, that's one of the that's one of the things about it, though, is that there's like no discernible head or tail. Right. Right. Like they assume the end with the eyeball. I would assume is, like whatever side says like this side up is the, <laughs> is the head. That's probably it. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, you know what this reminds me of? This yeah, reminds what's that? me of like, you remember in the 90s when people used to talk about rods? <sighs> yeah. 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 I mean, that was, that was, uh, what, well, was it History Channel or something? Did a uh, their monster like how? What was? Oh my gosh! Of course, I'm not going to remember the name of the show right now. Um, but one of those, one of those did a like a small segment on this and discussed yeah. rods. Yeah, like that. That's just a silly, yeah, silly yeah, concept yeah. to me. But whatever. I mean, that was a big thing in the '90s, and then people realized that like. 99% of what people were calling rods were just like, you know, dust and right. bugs and random things being, you know, artifacts basically in the photos. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, but that's, this, when that's I first heard the story, yeah, for sure. Me too. But when, um, when I first heard the story a long time ago, the first thing I thought was like, this is like a giant rod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Some people yeah. describe it as being rectangular, you know? Yeah. Um, like 18 feet by 8 feet, right? Right. That Which, would be... there, there's our sheet. That's like a, yeah. what, a twin size a sheet or something? Sheet. Well, that is actually a lot bigger than a twin <laughs> yeah. size bed. But by 8 feet wide, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's like an overgrown toddler sized bed. <laughs> it's like two California kings together. <laughs> I mean, touche. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big ass sheet. Um, so, okay. The ice delivery men. Yeah. That initially saw this thing, which by the way is an awesome job that sucks. It doesn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, uh, not something that, I mean, that's just like when we talked about the, uh, gurning man in Scotland, like the, uh, the milk. Yeah. Yeah. The, Milk delivery people. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, it's a bummer that we don't have services like that anymore. 
Yeah, I mean, but most of us have refrigerators that say, deliver most, ice, right? <laughs> most people make their own ice now. And this yeah. is also a time that is, you know, kind of like newer-ish in electricity. Um, the city had just gotten electric lighting, like, city, yeah. you know, like uh, actual like city lighting. Um, yep. Like electric lampposts and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were... Presumably, they were still pulling, you know, ice out of frozen lakes and carving blocks and delivering it to to towns. You know what I mean? I mean like yeah. that, that's how they did it. And um, I mean, at that point, they're also delivering on a wagon. Yep. You know, like yep. gas powered cars. And I was I was also double checking, like fact checking and everything. Um, and you know, like even like the first gas powered cars, like were introduced then so like this wasn't something that was like widely adapted yeah, um certainly not in crawfordsville indiana right exactly you know like yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> crawfordsville i mean still is a smaller smaller city yeah but yeah. even at the time it was much much smaller yep so the first thing that strikes me about this initial encounter is like this feeling of dread this yeah. like that came over them before they even saw the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, I wonder if that's just intuition. If I don't that's know. Just like, because that was a precursor to like each time anybody would see it. Yeah. Um, which is weird, right? It's. I mean, that's you don't normally go outside and be like, "Wow, I feel weird." You know, something makes me want to look up. Right. And if this was, if this thing is biological, then like, what is this psychic phenomenon happening? Right. Yeah. You know, this like connection that's making people feel this like dread, this weight on them. Yeah. No, that's, that's a a good thing to point out. Um, that is one of the, one of the kind of stranger parts about it. And everybody always just feels off and like something is going to happen. Like, um, and the initial report from uh, Reverend Schweitzer said basically like he started to feel this feeling and just something drew him to look up as if he knew he was going to see something. Yeah, that's weird. Right. That's yeah. very weird. So um, I, I don't yeah, I don't really know. Like, I mean, is. Is it intuition? Um, Is it uh, some like mental coaxing like um like mental almost like grooming uh, influence a a point right yeah yeah i wonder i don't i don't know it's hard to say um i mean another thing that freaks me out about this initial encounter is like they had this idea that it might be hunting the livestock right which like to me to me, that means that like they identified it as the source of the dread they were feeling too. Right, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I would for more I would reasons agree with than that. I felt weird than I saw a weird thing. Like they actually felt like it was dangerous. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which is like it's sort of juxtaposed to the way they describe it physically too, because they talk about how it like gracefully is floating. It's like floating gracefully through the air, but it's also described as a fearsome beast. Yeah, that's you know? that's what I mean. It's weird. But one thing I th- I thought was really funny is in the newspaper article, original like newspaper article that reported on, um, on the the two ice you know ice wagon guys. 
um, was they feared that it was gonna it was gonna go after the family's bacon. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, bacon. The way that they worded it in the article, yeah, <laughs> was they like it okay. was like they they feared it was it was after you know, after their bacon, so they ran back to the the barn. <laughs> 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 anytime, anytime I, I talk to anyone about pigs, because that's just a normal conversation I have, you know, um, yeah. I'm going to mention them as bacon. Oh, <laughs> uh, you see that I bacon there? They, maybe they just had like a stockpile of bacon in the barn. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> maybe that's, that's what they meant. That's a good place to put it, I guess. Or maybe it was just like um, they were just using it like colloquially, like, you know, save your bacon. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I like I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think know so. how old that. I don't know how old that saying is. <laughs> I don't either. But I know, like most other, like most other, uh, you know, uh, either like podcasts or articles and things like that that have been out have talked about basically their livestock. Yeah, um, you know, so. Yeah, I just it was just the funniest thing. I, yeah. I I remember I remember reading through that and I just I cracked up because it's like all right. Cool. I like it. It's sort of yeah, it's sort of like running a cattle farm and referring to the cows as your hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are my burgers. Be be careful with them. Bring in the burgers. Your um, steaks. Yeah. So and then they do a thing that I find super fucked up. Like, I have to say, if you're ever outside my house while I'm sleeping and you spot a sky whale, definitely tell me. <laughs> Don't just leave. <laughs> yeah, that was but, that was also kind of weird that yeah. uh, Bill was just like, nah, nah, don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't Let's wake just him keep up. Watching Who cares? Him. Yeah. And the then, thing is, they like leave them sleeping, and then they leave too yeah. while this thing is still out there. Yeah, they leave, they run off, and then and get a gun, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll get it next time." Right? If that thing comes back, we're gonna kick its ass. Yeah, like and that, that was that was what they decided. If the next time they're back at the barn, and you know they're gonna make sure they have their rifle just in case. That's a pretty weak move. Yeah. I mean, that's like trying to be the hero, but saying, I'll get you next time. I understand, like, your life's in danger this time, but next time, yeah. I promise. I'll, I'll oh, help. Yeah. I'll help. Don't worry. Ridiculous. Yeah, I, that one, that was very odd and strange, but, I mean, yeah, it's, like, that's that's the story, you know, like, and yeah. just the, just the, the funniest thing is that they just they they get tired of watching it because they watch it till like well after three a.m. and this is like <laughs> they start you know they're like out there first see it about two o'clock or so is what you know everything is kind of reported on, um so they're out there I mean for well over an hour watching it, you know uh, McIntyre he he wants to tell them you know old Bill's over there nope don't worry about it and then they're just like all right let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, see you later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's your problem now. That I mean, that seems to be a thing that happens a lot with 
this too is like people watch it for a while and then they're just like, I guess we'll go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Even the same with like the Reverend and his wife, you know, they're watching it. They end up watching it like circle around the town and they're like, all right, well, time for bed. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't know if I'm, I feel like I'm in the majority when I say, or I can speak for the majority when I say, I don't care if that thing is floating above my house for two days. I am not going to sleep until it's gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is also like the time before like Facebook and like Reddit. Like people can't just like post a picture and be like, hey, check this out. This is going on. Right. Um, You know, so like. They're literally just standing in their yard watching a sheet (laughs) flap around in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also the strange part about it, like, because they can't just say, oh, like, this is something else. It wasn't a windy day. There was no, like, you know, it was a clear sky and everything. Um, Yeah, there was no no wind or anything that could bring anything like that on. So it's it's even more curiouser, you know? Yeah, curiouser and curiouser. Exactly. With the with the like flaming Sauron eye in the front of it. Like <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> it's clearly not just like a sheet caught in the wind or no. something. You know what I mean? Like there's more to this. For I mean, sure. This thing is like screeching and making weird sounds and like jerking throughout the sky. Like there's something yeah. there. Yeah. So then the second sighting is the Reverend, right? Yeah. His name. G.W. Schweitzer. G.W. Schweitzer, yeah. I couldn't First find off, like, the, f- the actual full full name, yeah, but yeah. That's okay. One of my favorite things about newspapers from this time period is that. <laughs> I would kill to be a two initials guy. Right, yeah. Like, it's so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, and it's so... Co- like, if you read... Like this, like we did, uh, what, the Crosswick Monster had a ton of those in the news reports. Mm -hmm. The Van Meter Visitor has a bunch of those. It was just so common. It's the time period, right, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that was a way to, like, a way to, like, give a certain level of anonymity to witnesses in the newspaper. Or if people, if just grown men were expected to go by two initials in their last name. I mean, that wasn't the case for Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray. Like they right. were, they were just out there. So and maybe, like maybe also, like since the Reverend was a maybe a higher standing, being a Reverend. Yeah. Like I'm ordained, and you know, you don't really call me uh, <laughs> Reverend so and so. That's true. Although sometimes, you know, sometimes it's funny to. to go with it but whatever that's neither here nor there i will say that i was not at all shocked to find that the reverend thought this thing was a demon right like a serpent yeah that was i (laughs) i thought the same thing yep i feel like that was a little on the nose right like it's a demon in a shroud (laughs) exactly yep yeah it's uh i mean it you know that's that goes with the little things we talk about a lot like oh it must be a demon sort of things but like especially for like that time period i mean you know this is 1890s right yeah uh it's it 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 wouldn't be out of the ordinary for anything that's actually out of the ordinary to be perceived as something demonic right 
Yeah, I mean this these are God-fearing times. Yeah, for of sure. Of course, of course. And yeah. So I think a lot of people thought of this as something you know, sort of sent by Satan. Yeah. And we'll uh you know? we, we can we can definitely yeah. talk about like some of the uh reports that cuz I mean this this caused like an uproar. You know, yeah. of either people that were non-believers and ridiculed anybody that believed it um yep. or the people that were believers and thought that this was like literally a something signifying or like you know like basically bringing upon the end of days or like judgment day and stuff like that which was i mean that was it just as strange but i mean again the time period right And like you said, very God-fearing times and stuff like that. So, yeah, like some people thought like seeing this thing was meant that like the world was about to end. Yeah. Like Um, that. I mean, that's that kind of hysteria bit of it. Sure. Um, I don't know. I one of my favorite things of one of my favorite parts of the story was the fact that a place called the Keeley Institute for Inebriates ever existed. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally yeah. just a drunk house. Yeah. So, and, uh, so to get a little bit deeper into the Keeley Institute. Sure. So, especially for anyone not familiar with it, cause I, I know I wasn't, you know, until like deep diving into this story. Um, it was known for its essentially Keeley cure or the gold cure. Uh, it was a commercial medical operation that offered treatment to alcoholics from 1879 uh, to 1965. So a pretty wow. long period of time. Um, though at one time there were more than 200 branches in the United States and Europe. Uh, the original institute was uh, founded by Leslie Keeley in Dwight, Illinois. Okay. And so basically, whatever. So the original location uh, had a major influence on the development of, you know, that area of Dwight um, as a village, uh, whatever. So just to get a little bit more into the actual Keeley cure. Yeah. Um, what they essentially did. So, like, they basically injected people with essentially, like, gold, uh, like some like form of, like, gold. And uh, I forget what else it was. Um, okay. But they made it to, like, a lot of people came to, like, the institutes, but there eventually became an option that you could get, like, a mail-order oral liquid that people could take in the privacy of their own homes. Okay. Um, which is really, really weird. What do you... I mean, I know gold can actually be ingested in fairly... In shockingly large amounts, and it not, and it's not really bad for you. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can you can get like you know alcohol with like gold flakes, and of course, yeah, you know, stuff like that, right? Yeah, and they do like gold flakes on food. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Like it, it can definitely be ingested in fairly large quantities, but like as a main ingredient in. I mean, I guess that's an excuse to charge a lot for your cure. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, you know, like, and that was the thing. Um, so okay, so basically, when people when people would come there, they'd be introduced to an informal environment um, where they first offered as much alcohol as they could drink. Okay, um, <laughs> just seems kind of <laughs> counterproductive. But, yeah, 
Uh, so, so this is not a rehab. <laughs> right. Um, okay. You know, so event, like originally they started, they would like board people in like local hotels or something like that. Um, And then a lot of the times the Institute would be operated out of homes and hotels using a spa-like atmosphere of peace and comfort. And okay. all patients received injections of bichloride uh, of gold four times daily. Uh, okay. So gold chloride, traditionally called auric chloride, is a compound of gold and chlorine. Jesus. Um, <laughs> right. So that's what it was. It was uh, gold and essentially gold and chlorine, uh, chlorine four times daily. Um, there were other tonics as well. Um, but the treatment lasted for up to four weeks, and they said like some people would be cured within a matter of a couple days. And okay. obviously, like this was heavily criticized and was very controversial. Uh, I but- mean, I guess in their defense, it is hard to continue being an alcoholic if you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, for anyone listening, do not inject yourself with chlorine to get over alcoholism. Yeah, no, and and also part of the injections were said to have, what is it, uh, strychnine, alcohol, oh um, what, apomorphine, willow bark ammonia, and uh-huh. uh, atropine. Jesus. Um, and then they were dissolved in red, white, and blue liquids uh, <laughs> that the amounts kind of just varied between each dose. Because America. <laughs> <laughs> and then, in addition, patients would receive individually prescribed tonics every two hours throughout the day. So not only were they getting injected four times with this, like, random gold shit, they yeah. were also getting a tonic. Uh, yeah. That yeah, that's bizarre, right? But at least while they were there, they were allowed to stroll the grounds of the institute as well as the streets of the village. Okay, so they weren't you know they weren't kept at you know like yeah whatever. It was a very I mean, they were, therapeutic they were there community. Of their own okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come of your own volition, and we'll poison you. And I I guess, man. Dude, even the like actual medical components that you were discussing, yeah, were I mean, they're you're basically just doping them. Yeah, I mean that's to get them to stop drinking, right? <laughs> Here, like, let's let's trade this out for something else that could yeah. kill you as well. Exactly. Like, how many people came in there because they drank too much and left heroin addicts? <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, at least they don't drink anymore. Um, yeah, yeah that, no, that's just stupid. That's such a stupid thing. Um, Absurd, you know. But yeah, it's it's why like this was such a very controversial thing. But like to me, I'm just it's I'm amazed by how long they were able to do it. Yeah, till the sixties, right? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, of course, a place like that is in Plainfield. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies if any of our listeners are from Plainfield. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for you if you're in Plainfield. Get the fuck out of there. I mean, they know. <laughs> <laughs> they Yeah, they know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I thought that was crazy. Like, And I, I, had, I had never heard of this Keely cure. Yeah. 
Um, Ni- yeah, neither had I. But my favorite thing that they did in the story was just assuming the Reverend was a booze hound. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that's, like, You're, you that, sound like a drunk. You should come and take some gold shit. That Robert Robert Burke, I believe, was his name. He was the one that was like, "Yeah, they're probably just all a bunch of drunks and you know claiming to see all this, whatever." And he was like a professor, so whatever. Yeah. What does he know? <laughs> yeah. When since when would a professor know more than a reverend? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Oh, so you know, like that that whole thing. Um, you know, the fact that like people like people were getting ridiculed for what they believed. The fact that the reverend, you know, was and received a letter telling him to come and you know, get treated for his alcoholism, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that he supposedly had, um, you know, like it just, what if like he was nursing a secret habit like for years and he got that letter and he's like, oh, someone knows like, <laughs> oh, man. maybe it just like totally hit home for him. Maybe, maybe it did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll never know. Right. But still, uh, as I as I was able to dive deep into this, there was an actual Reverend Schweitzer that lived in, um, you know, the live in Crawfordsville. You know, obviously, okay. like, uh, there's there's a lot of stuff like you know he helped uh, he kind of helped form like some of the information for uh, that that one book, uh, Low or I believe uh, Low I believe is what it was. Uh, was it Charles Fort that wrote it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, because um, um, Charles Ford actually investigated this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Vincent Gaddis. Yep. Um. So they were able to kind of popularize this or popularize Jesus. Sure. The story, uh, you know, what is essentially, you know, still categorized by some as living UFOs. Yeah. Um. You know, as we get into UFOs as organisms and things like that. Which oh, yeah, I know we're, we're gonna, gonna kind of talk about. We're gonna um, get into sky whale phenomena, yeah, and associated yes. with flying dragons and serpents, uh-huh. sky whales, if you will. That's. A- <laughs> <laughs> I have to use that term because I'm a fan of beliefful podcast, I mean, and that's what yeah. that's what they call them. I mean, like, yeah, that was the first time I ever it. heard a real a real deep dive on on the subject, yeah. and. And in their like actual intro to the podcast, you know, they do like a series of clips from the past episodes. And one of the main ones is John going, Sky Whale Phenomenon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that always sticks in my head. Yeah. No, that's, I, yeah. We, we can, we can go there. That's fine. That's fine. But yeah. yeah. So Schweitzer, of course, helped to kind of correspond a lot of these like accounts and stuff. reaffirmed his story and everything so like the fact that there was a reverend Schweitzer from the area the fact that Charles Fort has a reverend Schweitzer that helped like corroborate or uh, you know like corroborate yeah with the story kind of like making sure the facts were there and all that like that that holds pretty steady for me you know like yeah it's legit exactly yeah that's the thing about this story is like these are real people. It's not like they're not these aren't creepy pastas. They aren't like random right. anonymous sources. Like these were real people who really lived in Crawfordsville, Indiana. 
in the late 1800s. Yeah. Like all that's been confirmed. Yeah. And that's, that's basically what I'm just trying to get at is like the yeah. fact that this is, you know, essentially people that have been there. This is essentially what happened, what these people saw. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes it a lot more real for me, at least. Yeah. It's not just some like anonymous story. Yep. Yeah. Now, outside of, of course, like the ridicule, all of that, like people, you know, people saw, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about like this, this kind of mass hysteria thing. Um, and the people yeah. kind of freaking out thinking, you know, this is bringing a, the, essentially upon like the end of days, like the whole, like, uh, war of the worlds, a uh, radio show. Right. That's what this, that kind of reminded me of is like people freaking out and thinking that like, yeah. that was a thing. And yeah, the world was ending and all this other stuff. So the thing is, it's like that if during the world, the war of the worlds, you could walk out your front door and see the things that right. Orson Welles was <laughs> describing, you know what I mean? <laughs> but people didn't care like they still thought it was real you know yeah which i you know i i don't know i guess at that time it was a little bit different you know like uh you know something like a story like that was a little a little bit different to hear on the radio i mean yeah and they hadn't people didn't really have experience with mass hoaxes right true you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it was a new thing and people trusted their radios like that was a source of actionable information for people at the time. But the um, thing about it is like mass hysteria has been a thing. Like there's oh yeah. thousands of thousand reports throughout history. Yeah. Of I like mean, evidence or different events of like mass hysteria and stuff. Like I mentioned a couple at the start of the episode, but like, yeah, you know, those are just I mean, a couple of bad, to, the ones um, I like. <laughs> if you talk to Heather from small town monsters, she, she wrote her master's thesis on on hysterias through, yeah. throughout history. Like That's there, awesome. there have been tons. Oh yeah, t- I mean it, it's a it's part of human nature. Right. Yeah, of course. Of course. And things that's, like that catch on. Yeah, I mean that's that's that thing of like getting swept up in like just in the in the small things, like, you know, getting getting swept up in like finding finding out about something and thinking, oh cool, like or whatever else. You know, you just yeah. People like people buy into things so easily. One thing yep. I didn't want to say is people are so gullible. Right. But that is I mean, that is the case. That's human nature. Right. But the the thing with this, I think, that sets it apart is like people there were literally hundreds of eyewitnesses. Exactly. To it, you know that's, what I mean? That's what's that's what's definitely different for me for sure. Um Yeah. You know, so and then there were also a couple different cases that seemed to happen simul not well, I guess not simultaneously, separately, um, that people simultaneously reported on. You right. know, so it wasn't like uh oh somebody says this, so yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say that too. Like I'm gonna right. You know, like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't quite like that, um, you know, until, of course, like, because they reported on the incident like the same day in the newspaper. Yeah. I mean, this is like a, a turn of the century version of Phoenix Lights. Yeah, true. Or true. like an entire city saw these, this thing. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, Now... Another thing I just kind of want to talk about before we kind of dive into some other stuff are 
since you know like everybody reported this as seeing like this amorphous thing that was really like not able you know it was no definite shape no definite like head tail whatever else but of course since then you know like it's gained a lot of like it's gained a lot of popularity and uh you know people like coming up with this description of of this thing of course like not like they're hearing sounds thinking you know and for coming from an invisible mouth which is now of course which i even added in the story like the mouth basically sharing the same position as its eye right. um and now like you know when when you often hear like descriptions and stuff like that um it's said to have the eye in its mouth okay. um which is which actually is pretty cool three jaws and appears to be basically a cyclops of course because it has one eye i mean you know whatever. sure um and of course eel like in shape but that that was also kind of mentioned a little bit like throughout you know throughout like some of the reports but like just the way it like twisted and writhed and everything yeah and it's also said to have feathery protrusions coming out of its sides and back which i assume right feathery which i assume are gonna be what they're talking about about it's like fluttering fins the fins right yeah but more feathery see i i've always thought of it more as like a like an ocean invertebrate you know, that's like, fair. yeah, yeah. Okay. I never really thought of it as being feathery. Right. Yeah. Okay. This is basically like somebody trying to sell me on like velociraptors were actually birds. <laughs> yeah. No. All dinosaurs were. No, I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, they were. They weren't. You'll <laughs> forever be a 90s Jurassic Park kid. Dinosaurs are lizards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, no, I, 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 I just think like the way that this is kind of like progressed, changed over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I cool. mean, the thing is, anytime you get a description that is fairly vague, like this is, yeah, it's. I mean, I want to say it's like a blank canvas, but it literally is sort of right. like a sheet of canvas. Um, but like artists over time. And writers over time will like sort of spice it up a little bit at a time, right? I mean, and then the one know, who make it cooler ab- and yeah, right. And the one the one who writes about it in 1940 reads the story from 1930, and then the one from 1950 reads the story from 1940, and like it just gets built on and built on and built yeah. on. I tried to time. stay true to the original like newspaper reports, yeah, with the story. Yeah. Um, you know, which is why you came up with the flying carpet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Check the Patreon if you want to see my <laughs> flying carpet rendition. Um, but yeah, it's it's just such a strange thing, man. Like, essentially, I mean, like, even the Reverend thought like maybe it was a cloud, but the cloud seemed to move and zip through the sky, which I've never seen a cloud do that. Nope, never. But. You know, I suppose it's not impossible. (laughs) There are tons of reports, dude. If, like, when we get into some Sky Whales shit, I don't know, you just let me know when you're ready. (laughs) I mean, honestly, at this point, we can, yeah, we can start moving on. Uh, Because otherwise, after that, we'll uh, talk about some of the more silly, silly bits of, of this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So... 
the whole concept behind the idea of like, you know, sky whales, basically. So like people yeah. don't really think about it, but like the atmosphere of our planet is five million times the volume of the oceans. Like it's huge. It's a massive and if you look, there's a cool chart. I looked for it and looked for it and looked for it and I couldn't find it before the episode, but there's a chart that shows like at what levels we have like commercial air aircraft and yeah. all that and how much space there is between that and the um what is it troposphere I think is the first layer of the atmosphere. But like it's a massive amount of space where we don't do anything. Like we don't fly there ever. So yeah. in like the sixties and seventies, when the UFO phenomenon was really starting to kick off it, cause this whole concept feels silly now, but like back in the sixties and seventies, when all of the UFO stuff was getting started, there were like competing theories, like theories that competed with the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Yeah. So, and one of them was this concept of that the UFOs are biological creatures. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. It's... And it was like right up there with, cause right now it's like a, it, these days it's like a foregone conclusion that like, Oh, these are crafts. They're like manned spacecrafts. But back then, just as many people believed that they were biological, which is super cool. Yeah, I I don't know. I I kind of like that idea. I think I think it's kind of neat. But yeah, you know, obviously it's. I don't think it's the case. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's cool nonetheless. I'm like, I'm, I'm suspending disbelief to discuss it. Obviously, right, because yeah. I think of it as like a cool thought experiment. Also terrifying to think that the sky is filled with these like half sort of ethereal beings that could honestly just swoop down and like grab you at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty terrifying. Yeah, that'd be awful, um, man. Yeah. Um. So one of the first ever UFO books that I bought was um cosmic pulse of life and that's by um trevor what is it oh trevor constable he was like one of the main dudes who was into this idea that they were biological okay and um i dug up a story for you from that book nice yeah. Sweet. So I just kind of um, took some notes on it. So basically like four pilots are flying over a desert in Nevada. Okay. And they decide to land and meet on this Mesa. And after they land, they like get out. They're going to hang out for a bit, whatever. And they notice something coming in for a landing. And it's like eight feet across, 25 feet long, pretty close to our Crawfordsville monster size-wise, right. right? Thin. They he, he describes it as like thin like a saucer, but it's like eight feet by 25 feet. And 
He said that they walked up to it and that to him it appeared to be some kind of animal that was wounded. It like comes down and it like skids to a stop on this mesa near them. Okay. They walk over to it and it's like a wounded animal. He said um, as it breathed, the top would rise and fall, making a 10 inch hole in the top open like a clamshell. Like almost like a mouth on top of this flat surface. Okay. And that a big chunk, about six inches, or a big chunk had been bitten out of the side of it, and that the blood looked metallic. Huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just just bear with me. Yeah. It's it's a wild story. So at this point the thing notices the men. And it ra- it rises up like six inches off the ground and then falls back down to the ground. So they stand back and they watch it for like 20 minutes. And after it has a chance to rest, it starts glowing. Like all over its body starts glowing except where it's been wounded. Okay. And then suddenly a much larger creature that looks just like it, but much larger. It's like 30 feet across. So much larger. It comes down and it hovers right above the smaller one. And four like tubes come out of the upper, the larger one and go and touch the smaller one. (laughs) And... Then they both start glowing, and then they take (laughs) off into the sky. Okay, so after they leave, they assess the area, and it's covered in this, like, weird, metallic, viscous material. All right. That that he assumed was the blood of the creature. Because, so basically, he wrote in about this, saying that, like, I experienced a thing. It was in the 20s, or in the 30s when he experienced it, but he wrote in about it in the seventies when this book was being written. Right. And, um, so he wrote in, he sent this letter to, um, to the author of this book because he thought that it explained the UFO phenomenon because of the glowing that they light Mm -hmm. up. Cause if you imagine something that's like 30 feet by like 80 feet way up in the sky, and it glows like this. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's going to that I mean, that basically is a UFO. Right? True. Yeah. Especially with its long tubes and stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. They're like tube I penises. It's, I mean, it's obviously it's a super crazy story. Right. But it's I don't know, there are just tons. There are tons of stories like this, like of people seeing things like this. I mean, like, I'm not trying to dismiss, you know, some of that, but I know. I know it's wild. Extremely. Right. Yeah. But there's like there there's lots of evidence for it. Like the you know, the angel hair. <clears throat> the angel hair thing that happens with some during some UFO sightings where like they find these they find these like angel hair 
this like angel hair material. Angel it's hair like pasta. it's like super thin jellyfish tentacles is right. basically what it looks like. And they'll find it all over like a huge area, like a whole city block yeah. will be covered in it after a UFO event. And it just like breaks down super fast. Over the course of like a couple hours, it breaks down and it's basically gone. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds super, I mean, that sounds yeah, biological to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Same with the like star jelly. That's another thing that like that they find all over yeah. areas when, with UFOs. I mean, yeah. that's just flying jellyfish. I mean, that's basically the concept. Right. Is like, these are like ethereal jellyfish that like swim around the atmosphere. I mean, maybe, maybe they do. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> as likely as any other. True. Right. Yeah. There to me that may, it makes just as much sense as extraterrestrials. Yeah. They're Honestly. like the dementors of our world. <laughs> You could say that. <laughs> that's that's how I'd like to imagine them. Yeah. Yep. So like just to just to keep it brief, I'll just read you one more story about All right. about sky whales. All right. So this is from a newspaper, the Farmington Daily Times in New Mexico. Oh, New Mexico. March 8th. Nice. Yeah. March 18th, 1950. The, and the headline is Crafts Seen by Hundreds. Okay. All right. For the third consecutive day, flying saucers have been reported over Farmington. And on each of the three days, their arrival here was reported between 11 and noon. Three persons called the Daily Times office to report seeing strange objects in the air just before noon. Parsons along Main Street, once again, could be seen looking skyward. Well, persons. That's such a... Yeah, sorry. Yep, no antiquated, worries. Antiquated language. Persons along Main Street, once again, could be seen looking forward and pointing. High winds and a dust storm prevented clear vision. Fully half of this town's population still is certain today that it saw spaceships or some strange creatures, hundreds of them, zooming through the skies yesterday. Estimates of the number ranged from several to more than 500. Whatever they were, they caused a major sensation in this community, which lies only, ten, only 110 air miles northwest of the huge Los Alamos at atomic installation. The objects appeared to play tag high in the air. At times, they streaked away at almost unbelievable speeds. One witness did a triangulation reading on one of the objects and estimated its speed at about 1,000 miles per hour wow. and estimated its size as approximately twice of that of a B-29. Farmington citizens stood in the streets yesterday watching the first reported mass flying saucer creature flight ever, ever sighted. Traffic was slowed to avoid hitting sky gazers. The office of the Farmington Daily Times was deluged with calls from persons who saw the objects or creatures. Okay. So, they're, but they're seeing 
possible like craft. Well, I mean, I huh? They can't tell. Yeah, that's, that's true. the thing. And and anywhere from several to five hundred. <laughs> yeah, some people said. Some people said I saw several. Some people said there were like five hundred. I think of several as like maybe a handful. Right. There's actually a picture oh, from yeah? this that yeah that I'll post on the Instagram for sure. Okay. Um, but it's it's pretty. It doesn't look like crafts. It looks like. Honestly, it looks like jellyfish. Yeah. Like from the bottom. And it looks like, because you know how like when a jellyfish moves quickly, the shape like changes, like the Mm -hmm. sides will go in toward each other. They're like in various states of that. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, that line that aligns with their whole atmospheric beast thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Essentially balloon, balloon like organisms. Yeah. Yeah. Flying jellyfish. Honestly, I I was reading about this for for like two hours today, yeah. and it took me less than two hours to go to think like if I don't stop this, I'm gonna I might end up believing in this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but yeah. So I mean, the just the whole idea of atmospheric beasts and things like that. I mean. It's a it's a cool concept. I really like mm-hmm. the idea of like living UFOs and stuff like that. Do I buy it? Not really. Uh, you know, most most of it. But I do like the idea of, you know, things like swimming or flying around our atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, that's I I don't know, man. Like I I find myself I guess going back and forth because I'm like, why not? Like that's possible. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it sounds really out there. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. I, like, I tend to put it in the same category with, like, Hollow Earth. Right. Things I really love thinking about, but I know aren't true, you know? I mean, I don't know that Hollow Earth's not true. (laughs) I mean, like, Hollow Earth, Hollow Earth. Yeah, I don't know that that's not true either. Yes, you do. There, I mean, the, you know, there's some, like, platforms that can live without sun and stuff. So then I start to think, like, well, there's underwater oceans, and then there's dinosaurs, and... <laughs> <laughs> if I can believe that, I guess I can believe there's jellyfish flying around our atmosphere. Yeah, I was going to say, at least we both got to, you know, push a silly theory today. <laughs> <laughs> But regardless, no, but I, I, I love it as like a thought experiment. Yeah, I think it's cool. Sure. I think it's super I like, cool. Yeah. Now, one thing, uh, you know, I, I guess, unless you have more star jellies to talk about. No, that's cool. Go right. for it. So, are you going to get into the skeptical stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Cool, cool. All right. Yeah. And let's um, hear it. So, first of all, I mean, obviously, people have thought you know like possible ufos we've already talked about you know the whole living ufos thing uh atmospheric beast thing like stuff like that so that's that's always you know a thought yeah um and so i guess first of all what i will get to is that there were two uh essentially two witnesses that spotted uh spotted this 
and uh, one by the name of um, John Hornbeck, and one is uh, Abe uh, Hernley. Yeah, Abe Hernley. Uh, so they had basically spotted it that same night, and they followed it. So they right. like basically chase after it uh, everywhere that it went until eventually uh, they. I mean, there were a couple times where they got close to it, like almost almost on the ground, but then finally were able to catch a quote unquote good good look or good glimpse of this, you know monster uh as it swept down from the sky close to the ground near uh near them and essentially they determined that it was a flock of birds a flock of killdeer to be precise yeah um which is essentially a bird with a mostly white underbelly and a red spot on the back of their tails yeah if you're unfamiliar with the killdeer they're the like cute little ones that like dance around puddles with the like really long legs and they're yeah. very cute, yeah. They are. They're cute birds. But, uh, you know, like... So... What... You know, the the thing about this is... Is they tried... Like, it... So the newspaper tried to rationalize this as... Okay, so this makes sense because... At this time, like we had talked about a little bit ago... Like, this, this town had just recently installed... Uh, like, electric lighting in the streets. And so, like... Yeah. Um, that and like uh, apparently the haze of the sky, even though like everybody else said it was a clear night, there's yeah. you know possible haze, and like it caused the birds to become confused. Um, okay, almost like you know they they were getting like stuck and very uh, you know just like confused and off put by stressed. these lights, right? Because they weren't used to it. Sure, and so it was causing them to go like all over the place in a giant flock that apparently that just always stayed as one um you know which i mean that's fair whatever um but and then that's that's like you know that's how you can explain like they're writhing and they're like screeching sure. and wheezing and stuff like that um but like to me i think that's extremely silly i think it's a, it's a really stupid um you know really stupid like explanation because it yeah. really doesn't explain at least, like, and I don't know, to me, I guess, you know? Um, I don't think they explain anything. It. Right. I mean, yeah. other than, yeah, if they're looking above them and see, like, the underbellies. Sure. As a white, fluffy thing. Yeah. There's our possible cloud, I guess. Yeah. But, like, where they get, like, well, I guess the flaming eye from that, like, little red thing on their tail that apparently like all of them together makes it look like a flaming I don't know whatever like I'm just trying to figure it out but yeah I'm pretty sure birds don't flock with all of their tails in one place <laughs> right exactly Um, my thing with this is like I get that I get how they could attempt to sell that like yeah the a flock of birds could sort of like undulate in a way that looks like maybe like a waving sheet yeah but of like course. it does it doesn't explain any of the details not at no. all not it at leaves all. out all the details of the eyewitness accounts and it doesn't it i mean it doesn't work it doesn't work for me like i think these guys just came up with something off the wall and we're like yeah that makes sense cool 
we'll be the heroes and we'll you know we'll explain this off as this right or the thing they were following the actual thing and it like goes behind you know it goes behind like a tree line or something or over a hill and they go over a hill and then like a flock of birds flies over them and they're like wait was that it that's possible yeah you know Mm -hmm. so there's that you know, yeah. which that was that was actually reported on by the the Crawfordsville Journal and everything, right? Yep. Another one that I I thought was uh, unique was the possibility that this is this. So this was during the balloon parachute craze. <laughs> yeah, um, I've heard about this. It's so, terrible. It's terrible, but it's also really funny and awful. Uh, so man. during uh so at this time, a lot of the the young boys in the town were all about this craze and basically it was uh they would tie things to a balloon that had basically like it would eventually detach and they had a parachute that would parachute them down. Yeah. Um so what would happen is they would send up cats. They would tie cats to these balloons and float them up in the air, and they would detach, and the cats would go crazy as they're being parachuted <laughs> down. So they're, like, screaming and squealing, and, you know, like... So that's, like, where some people were like, well, maybe this is that that sound that they were hearing um, that's coming so from, from these cats. I mean, um, apparently our apparently our state was just filled with like young Jeffrey Dahmer's. I I guess man. Like, just torturing animals for fun. Uh, yeah, but, but I, I just, aside from that, like there, it's so that's such a dumb explanation for this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I mean, it it doesn't that literally doesn't hold up for anything. It was seen for hours. Yeah. You think it was that was one parachute with one cat? I was gonna say, and uh, with you know, are are all these young boys out there at like two and two, three o'clock in the morning, like throwing up right. like a hundred cats in the air, just launching cat balloons? <laughs> yeah, that I mean that that I think is it's just silly. But like, what's really strange about this story is the Crawfordsville Journal. Um, you know, of course, reported on the Indian, the Indianapolis Journal. Uh, there was also like another newspaper out of, um, what was it out of New York or something that also reported yeah. on it, uh, yeah. that helped it gain some traction. But at, yeah. at the same time, there were also three other, so like three other newspapers, uh, news essentially, um, you know, that have came out of Crawfordsville and none of them have ever reported on this incident. Yeah. Other than the Crawford the Crawfordsville Journal, so a lot okay. of people like to think that this was essentially like an overstated incident. Um, okay, uh, essentially at the time, quote unquote, fake news, uh, yeah. because a lot of a lot of older publications to gain traction would over embellish things or report yeah. on not real things at the time. All right, yellow journalism. And yeah, and a lot of people, yeah. you know, of course, during that time, like people were a lot more gullible, which I think they're still, you know, like that's still the case. Um, yeah, they just I don't, different, yeah, I don't differently think, now. Yeah, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone was any more or less gullible. It's just a different, 
it's a different time period. Right. It's a different set sure. of things that people are falling for, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yellow journalism was, was huge then. I mean, this is the, the era of, like I said, of like the Van Meter Visitor and the Crosswick Monster and yep. the Gowrow and Arkansas and like all these reports of, of monster sightings. And I mean, you never really know if the thing was 10 feet tall or if it was the size of a person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they they would exaggerate things to get a, a more fantastic story. Yeah, and, and I, you know, honestly, like, that could very well be the case right there. Sure. Um, it, yeah, it definitely could be. You know, as much as, as much of, again, you know, like, that's not as, uh, as exciting, but, like, when it comes to a lot of this, honestly, it kind of makes a lot more sense. Yeah, Given I mean, the this could have been, like, this could have been a few people seeing something crazy and, you know, just to make it a better story. He could have easily said, like, oh, hundreds of people saw right. this. It could have literally been, like, one or two, you know, well, yeah. I guess three maybe in this, like, and then, you know, but because, of course, they, like, it wasn't actually in the newspapers that said that there were hundreds of reports that came out after that. Like that was what was original. Eventually, as they were working on that book, um, you know, like people started coming forth with reports and stuff, and then there, like, okay. was essentially like a hundred or hundreds of reports that came out. Gotcha. So you know, like that, that to me, like, does make that a little bit harder to believe. Sure. Agreed. And so Agreed. I think out of pretty much you know anything other like outside of like a flock of birds or you know like cats and parachutes um to explain like this possible phenomenon like that to me i i think is probably the most plausible explanation yeah i'm gonna say either this was an example of yellow journal or it was sky whales (laughs) (laughs) i mean (laughs) That's my two leading theories. It's obviously what it is or it's not. Yeah. All yeah. right, fair. Yeah. No, I think of all the of all the skeptical theories, I think yellow journalism is definitely the most likely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's uh I mean, it's definitely unfortunate. I would love to think that like there was this like floating sheet cloud serpent like thing out yeah. there in the sky over, you know, our state. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, And it's also cool cool that, like, you know, it was seen over a two-day period and never seen again. Like, it's, you know, another one of those, right? Um, See, um, recently, our friend Todd Purse, whose, you know, show you heard, you all heard advertised at the beginning of the debrief. um, He recently talked to me about a theory that, like, so you know how we've talked about the the idea of like ultra terrestrials coming here, coming to our plane to like basically to like feed off of fear. Yeah. Right. Of course. So he he Vampires. talked to me about yeah. <laughs> he talked to me about this theory of of like what if the ultra terrestrials are coming here basically to like to trip. Maybe the like it's it's a trip for them 
And that's why, like, these high strangeness incidents are so, like, psychedelic. Huh. They're so, like, yeah, bizarre and psychedelic. And to further that, he thinks that, like, you know the difference? So, like, when a person goes about using a psychedelic, there's, like, the set and setting thing where, like, you can treat it with, like, reverence and ritual and, like, have a very, like, meaningful, long-lasting experience. Right. And then there are people who take those same substances and, like, take them and party and play video games. Right, and of course. Loud music. And so, like, he likens that to the difference between these, like, long-lasting experiences and these crazy, like, one-and-done high strangeness moments. Like... I've never it, considered cons- considered that right? at all. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild, but like I thought it was a really cool way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like you get really weird shit, like the Sam the Sandown Clown, and like you get um, like the Veggie Man, and like like Crawfordsville Monster. These right. things that just like show up and they're crazy, and it's like a day, and then they're gone, and no one ever sees anything about them again. That would be I would like, like to, you know, tribute Flatwoods to that as well. Right. Same Flatwoods. And like, that would be the equivalent to someone like taking LSD and playing Mario Kart. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that it's yeah. just like no respect for the process. It's just like, they're just like in and out. And Let's it's see super how weird, weird this can quick. be. Right. Yeah. Super weird, really quick. And then it's over. I, maybe maybe that's the case. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, All right. that's a cool lens to to view it through. Though. It really is. Yeah, that's yeah. that's different. Again, I mean, that's not anything I've ever considered or would ever consider. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would. I could ever even come up with that idea as being you know something of a possibility. But yeah, it's neat nonetheless for sure. Yeah, agreed. I really want this to be something super crazy, like atmospheric, whatever else. Like, I I want that so bad. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I believe it was just, you know, something to get uh, to get up some numbers for the for the newspaper. I mean, honestly, that's yeah, I have I have to go in that direction. I mean, it's a little little too wooey for me, but fair. I mean, you usually love the flesh and blood stuff. Yeah, but if sure. it's if it's flesh and blood over nuts and bolts, you can't <laughs> you can't take that though. I mean, huh. no, that's not that's not even really the case. It's just, I, I mean, it's literally just a floating blanket. <laughs> yeah, 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 with a giant eye. With a giant eye, right? It, All right. No, I, I respect that. It's too that. out there for it's, me. I don't know. Maybe not. Who knows? Look, if I'm having fun, I want the, I I want it to be a sky whale. But in like my heart of hearts, this is probably yellow journalism. Yep. This is probably somebody somebody stacking the deck to sell more papers. Exactly. Well. Yeah. Seems like we're kind of on the same page there. Then. So. Awesome. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's uh, going to do it for today's episode. That was episode 58, the Crawfordsville Monster. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.